Welcome to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. We're here today with Mr. Cole Worth and Miss Allie Hayes, and they are black belts and instructors and competitors in martial arts, and I've known them for a really long time, and we've done a lot of diverse work together, which is uh, we'll get into a little bit. But first off, can we have you both introduce yourselves and your black belt rank? Yeah, let's just start with that. Mr. Worth? I'm Cole Worth. I'm a fourth degree black belt, and I've been competing for a long time. I've been doing martial arts for a really long time. I'm Allie Hayes. I am a third degree black belt. I have been doing martial arts for almost nine, ten years, and I've been competing for probably about 75% of that. So about, let's see, 2057 years. Cool. I, you know, I'm, I remember exactly the first day I met Mr. Worth. I was sitting on the bench in the Fort Talk Common School and you were sitting on the bench too. And you, you, you were just in plain clothes, I think. And Master Macy called you out to the mat. Maybe you weren't in plain clothes, but you weren't in a Ripple Effect uniform yet. And he called you out to the mat and said, okay, yeah, come on here and address these, these white belts, basically. And you got up and just casually did it. Not casually, but I mean, it, it didn't seem to, you know, you weren't nervous. I said, that's what I'm trying to say. And I remember that impression very well. Interestingly, you were also the main character in the first karate book that I wrote. <laughs> if you remember that, and uh, we can put a, a link to that. It, video it's um pretty funny but do you remember those early days at we're kind of going in the middle here but um your days at ripple effect just starting out you had to work your way from white belt both of you did to black belt right in that school i came in as a black belt and since my other style was so similar to uh, ripple effect style for instance i knew all the forms already i the only thing i had to catch up on was combos I pretty much transferred in as a first degree uh, black belt. Um, and some of the early impressions I, I did, the first time I was at that school, I showed up in plain clothes to one of the sparring classes. I think it was like the adult sparring or something just to kind of get a feeling for the school. And, and then after that, I pretty much just started showing up in, in uniform. I think I started off in my uniform, but then quickly got into a ripple effect uniform and started just participating in, in uh, classes, but also uh, learning how to teach the uh, Ripple Effect way. Ms. Hayes, what do you remember about the, did you transfer in having martial arts experience or? Um, not, not really, I, I started over. Um, I had very little experience because I was very young when I first started martial arts. I think I only got up to like red belt or whatever our equivalent red belt. I only did it for about two years when I was four, five, six years old. And then I just started over at white belt because I was 13 or 14. What was that like starting, starting again, I guess? Um, well, I was definitely more of my own person because I was a teenager. It was cool. I mean, I was a teenager. I was in high school. I was in martial arts and I mean, I probably got called in. Well, I was getting getting called a nerd anyway, because <laughs> that's who I am. But uh, um, there's kind of this like empowerment of being a karate nerd. And I feel like now after starting over and obtaining my third degree 
and exploring other styles and exploring the history of Taekwondo, I feel like I've definitely earned the title of martial arts nerd. <laughs> so I'm proud of that. <laughs> you know, something I just thought about this, but the tournament t-shirt design that you did for maybe the second tournament or, th- or really it was a while ago. Was it that and- white one? Yes, the white one. I wore that to the first martial arts convention I ever went to. Um, I wore it, you know, all around. I love that design. And I got so many compliments because everybody said it looked 80s and Karate Kid era. You know? Oh, I can totally see that because it's that like white or white, blue, and red. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and the guy doing a hook kick to the other guy's head or something. But uh, yeah, it, you got major compliments. I may never have told you that. Let's, um, go into your martial arts specialties. Mr. Worth, I know bow staff is one for sure, right? When did you learn the bow staff? Let's see. I probably started getting into bow when I was, probably when I was around 10 years old. Kind of a different way. I learned uh, more of a spear staff first. And then I got into uh, bow and tricking bow. And that's when I pretty much started competing in. Bow is pretty much the the specialty, and I just try to improve that as much as I possibly can. Was it really used to carry buckets and thousands of years ago? Or I have no clue. I would akin it, I would make it more akin to if you know how to use a bow staff, you know how to pick up a stick off the side of the road or something. So that's what I would assume is the history of that weapon. I mean pole arms and whatnot are all over the place in all all of our weapons histories so it's not surprising that basically a long stick would be a chosen weapon it could be that it was a thing to carry water with but also you could use it to defend yourself if you needed well probably up until about two or three years ago i was very much traditional forms that was the only thing that I really liked to do. I mean, before that, I injured my ankle right before black belt and that kind of put a huge barrier in sparring, but sparring was definitely my first love. I loved to fight. (laughs) Um, Like I loved sparring. I loved the matches, but uh, when I had, when I got my um, ankle injury, then it quickly just turned over to forms and then I was doing pretty well with that at tournaments. But then in the last two or three years, and especially the last year, I've been getting into more creative forms. And lately, only about the past seven, eight months or so, I've been getting into more jumps and tricking and cartwheels and stuff. I can't do a black backflip, but maybe one day. Um, And I have been dabbling with speed chucks. So double nunchucks, they're bright, they're illuminescent. I have some teal ones and I have some red ones and I'm actually competing with them on Saturday. <laughs> a couple of years ago, you did a fan form mm-hmm. in the school. Do you remember that? We can put a link to it too, I think. But we, did you create that form or is that it? I did. Yeah. I, did I, I watched a lot of videos and I, I'm a very, very visual learner. I will say um, that learning a completely different martial arts style from the video is extremely difficult. Especially, I, I learned um, Wushu Kung Fu Fan. That is a very, very organic, you could say, um, circular uh, motion with your body. Speaking of the 80s, 
I remember hearing those terms, hard style, soft style. What's, what's different about Wushu and Taekwondo specifically? So generally when you think of hard style, you can think of Taekwondo, American freestyle Taekwondo, most forms of karate, because um, there's still some soft style styles of karate. Hard style, think of you step and punch at the same time, or you move your whole body and kick at the same time kind of thing. Whereas when it's soft style, there's a lot of, uh, think of the movements as more fluid. It's not necessarily that they that you hit any less hard. It's just the soft style of it is meant to be more in redirection instead of opposing forces. I mean, I know a lot of soft styles still use those types of techniques, and I think we'd probably get to a standstill if we began to compare them. But I also feel like it probably depends on the practitioner. I think that um, these are both martial artists that exist in this level of um, kind of blurring the lines between hard style and soft style. Um, and then you get Bruce Lee, who doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that's a really good point. So you're both, you, you co-head the competition team, is that right? Okay, Miss Hayes, you're in charge of demo team? Yes. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what it's like to not only compete yourself for you know the gold but had a group of competitors and taking them to these talk a little bit about the ck tournaments and and what it's like to be a coach there's Uh, a lot to unpack there Um, so uh first off uh ck stands for colorado karate association um it's mainly a statewide tournament but there's people from other states that come in just to uh, compete over here uh let's see so I guess first we can just talk about um, competing ourselves. There's a couple levels to it. One is getting out there and doing something and kind of showing the best that you can do with uh, a bunch of people that have a lot more experience in martial arts than you and different styles than you. Um, Kind of judging your every single move and noticing things that you probably haven't noticed in training. And then the second part of that is the leading of the team, when you go out and compete yourself, when you're the leader of this team, you have a bunch of uh, young kids and then not so young kids um, critiquing you on different levels where they're not really critiquing your moves, but they're kind of critiquing your sportsmanship. You're kind of being the example for them. I mean, it's definitely, I feel like, I mean, as the lead, co- like leads and coaches of comp team, we feel an obligation to lead by example by competing ourselves um and also we do a lot of the practices working out ourselves we aren't telling you guys to do something that we wouldn't do ourselves yeah, that's really interesting what you said mr Worth, about judging sportsmanship and kind of character and i remember master macy said once as a judge i could always tell from the way they came up in their presentation i could almost see who was going to win first so when you talk about sportsmanship and and character, what's the role of the presentation, I guess? How, how much time do you spend on teaching students that? Size, I mean, a pretty good portion up front. I mean, we spend a couple practices on it where we're solely focused on the uh, presentation and just kind of teaching the kids to be confident and loud, loud doesn't really describe it correctly but the ability to project their voice and make sure that they're heard by the judges but also kind of put across this idea that they know what they're doing 
whether or not they actually do know what they're doing, which, I mean, that's part of it. You have to figure that part out a little bit. Anybody from Ripple Effect listening to this, there's a tournament coming up. And if you've never been to one, it's very loud. <laughs> it, it, there's a cacophony is a good kind of description because there are different things going on in different rings and students just yelling all over the place. And it's a, it's a kind of a wild controlled chaos environment. And you recreate that in the schools in tournament prep, which I know Ms. Hayes, you've done a lot of uh, leading. And I remember the last one I was at in the schools, it was very loud where I was acting as a judge and it was only judging presentations, not, not any forms. And everybody had to come up and give their presentation. And this one little girl, it's about six years old, she came up and stood right in front of me and just started bawling. And I just took her aside and, you know, but she was just overwhelmed. And it, 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 that's part of it, right? It, that's part of the character building. Do you guys remember having that feeling ever personally? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is ever so infamous amongst the uh, competition team. The first tournament I went to as a kid, I went there as a, uh, what was it? I was a green belt, which is roughly equivalent to Ripple Effects blue belt. And I forgot my karate pants. So that was the best start to the to the tournament. Luckily, there was someone else in part of my team that was the same size and we weren't competing at the same time. So I got to borrow their pants. But just this feeling of like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but this is a new environment and I just already made one mistake and now this is going to happen. The, the feeling of being a little overwhelmed was definitely part of it. I mean, I, I did my best. I tried I tried my hardest. And I mean, I managed to pull out a pretty good pick place, but it did not start off so well. <laughs> they say you improved with failure, right? And sometimes even with embarrassment or something. But uh, yeah, I always think about it. I, I love the way that it, it, I knew what to do, but it's a different environment. Right? Yeah. <laughs> karate just seems like a great way to overcome that nervousness i guess competition especially because once you're out there you i mean sure no one's stopping you from just saying just kidding and walking away but really you kind of have this obligation because you've signed up you've been practicing you've been um kind of hyping yourself up other people have been hyping your hyping you up um you feel like you have an obligation to follow through I remember with my first tournament, I came out I, out of the ring after I presented my form. And I was just thinking, I don't feel like I've ever been this loud in my entire life because there's like, there there's this feeling of turning your nerves and anxiety into energy. And oh boy, does that come out during tournaments? Because I remember my throat being so hoarse afterwards. <laughs> and I was also somehow nervous because I put in quote unquote, too many yells in Yul Gook. But that won me first place. So that's fine, I guess. How do you nerd out there is gonna know what that means. <laughs> Too many yells and you cook. I want to get into this just a little bit because I know you both have other specialties outside of martial arts, and um, we've got art and neuroscience and computer science. I think, Mr. Worth, uh, computer engineering. 
computer engineering, what's the difference? Uh, it's more hardware-based than software. So I, I mess around with circuit boards instead of typing on a keyboard. Wow. But I still do a lot of programming as well. So it's just a, I, I'm, I specialize in neither area, and I just happen to dabble in a lot. Interesting. What's it? What's the environment where you work on circuit boards? Uh, generally, if something's not working correctly, it's determining that if it's a hardware thing or a uh, software thing. And then if I find that it's a hardware thing, then I have to take the circuit board and get out my soldering iron and figure out what part is not right and possibly take it off or mess with it in some other way. Wow. Where'd you learn to do that? Uh, college. <laughs> <laughs> Going way back, we've done several books together, kind of artistic projects. And it's because I saw your art on the wall, stapled to the, the wall at the Fort Collins River Effect School. And I remember Jeff Smith actually took a set. He was like, who did this? Oh, I, I do remember that. That was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I said it was you and he's going, whoa. Um, yeah, you were probably 14 or, or something. Yeah. But do you still do any art? Every now and then. I mean, I will, I'll kind of do like small little projects and just doodle here and there. You just graduated, right? With a degree in? A while ago. Yeah. Last year, 2021 oh. spring was when okay. I graduated. And yeah. you graduated in a, with a degree in neuroscience, right? I did. Yeah, it's cognitive behavioral neuroscience. So it's a little more psychology-based than uh, chemistry or chemistry-based mainly. Wow. What, what do you do now? Um, I'm a behavior therapist, and I work with kids in clinic settings, home settings. I also work on a lot of advocacy projects. I'm on, a, I'm, a, I'm on an equity diversity and inclusion committee, kind of just going over uh, those principles in different therapy services, um, like ABA, um, which is applied behavior analysis, occupational therapy, uh, speech therapy, stuff like that. Um, and I kind of just talk about principles of equity, diversity, and inclusion in those areas. Yeah, it's kind of packed, but it's a lot of advocacy work, and I really, really enjoy it. It seems like there's a lot of fluidity between karate instruction and being a coach of a team and that kind of occupation. Do you think that they work together? Do you see things happening on in therapy from karate or in karate from therapy? You know, I'll actually say that I think being in my current job has helped my instruction more than the other way around. Um, I mean, um, having a solid background in, in instructing uh, before I got my job actually helped me get my job. <laughs> Just having experience teaching and teaching kids of all ages. My job influencing my instruction, it's definitely identified weak points and gave me the tools to kind of make those better, especially when I'm serving serving any, any I almost said client, any student. But what do you have to say to any parent who's thinking about enrolling their kid of any age, teenagers or preschoolers in karate. If you put your kid in karate, what are they going to learn? Well, of course, on top, on the uh, surface, there's the benefits of you're learning how to use your body in a more efficient way or in a better way. You're learning how to defend yourself on some levels. You're learning discipline. You're learning character traits. But I would say a big one is 
at least what I learned from martial arts is just my ability to interact with other people in a kind way, but also in a don't mess with me kind of way. And I, I would say that that's probably the biggest benefit for me personally. Yeah, my ability to set boundaries, but also kind of just interacting with people and being a more confident person. Um, before, when I when I got my black belt, I, I noticed a fairly distinct shift in how I interacted with other people. That might have, might have coincided with high school, but it's still one of those, like, I noticed a big shift in how I talked to people and how I held my head up higher, that kind of thing. I would say for um, younger kiddos, I would definitely emphasize the points of enhancing like developmentally appropriate skills. So like, for example, that's kind of a loaded sentence. Um, for example, like following, following instruction and kind of self-awareness with your body, self-awareness with your mind. Uh, the big fancy word that we use is executive functioning. Um, and that's essentially just your self-awareness, your ability to make decisions, goal-oriented motivation, stuff like that. And uh, so attention. So, um, I mean, you look at like our little ripples classes or our white belt classes, you're working on that almost immediately. Like with attention, you're holding attention. You have to stay focused. You have to stay still coordinating your body with your mind. If I were to, I guess, give advice to a, a parent wanting to enroll like an elementary age kid, I would definitely hit those points um, along with the social aspect. For a teenager, since I was a teenager that started my more significant martial arts journey, you could say, I would say the confidence piece, but also the community piece. Because as a teenager, for me, I was very much solitary. I really liked to be alone. I'm a massive in introvert and I was even more so back then. Um, but kind of building a community of people that you do things with, that you like to do things with, and you can kind of nerd out with and go on a journey with. 